This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can also subscribe to the subreddit at r slash obsessiveviewer. And if you like what you hear and want to help support the podcast, please head over to iTunes and leave a rating and a review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the easier it will be for people to find the show in iTunes' search results. Also, um, if you want to show your support with your wallet, um, we would greatly appreciate that. Uh, you can do that by clicking the donate button that you can be found on obsessiveviewer.com for a one-time donation or by clicking the donate link in the show notes of this episode. You can also become a patron on patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer where you can choose from different reward tiers. You can, for instance, you can, if you pledge $5, like, a, a listener just recently did. Um, you can make us say anything you want us to say on the podcast, which um, we'll get to that later in the episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I guess I can preface it now. Uh, we got our first Patreon pledge from uh, Matt and Draco from Indianapolis, and uh, he chose for me specifically to say a specific sentence that you can hear at the end of this episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, I'm very excited about it. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so you can do that for five bucks or if you pledge ten dollars, you can pick a potpourri for us to figure uh, for us to review in the in the episode in a future episode. Um, or if you pledge thirty five dollars, you can pick a movie for us to review. And the rest of the rewards are, are itemized on the Patreon page at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. And just so you know, any donations made will help pay the fees to keep the podcast running so we can continue to provide you with our weekly podcast ramblings and me stuttering through um, intros such as this. <laughs> Tiny, welcome back. You look like you got a little bit of sun. I did, a little too much in mm-hmm. some places. It also, You also look like your brother got a little bit of sun as well. He did. Oh! Yeah, we took off from Indianapolis, and my brother was like, yeah, we're in the hospital, we're getting ready to go, and we landed in Atlanta, and he was like, you have a nephew. I was nice. like, holy crap, did he walk out? <laughs> what happened? So, he's doing good. Nice. Awesome. Um, welcome to the Uncle Club. Thank you. Yep. Um, also, I do actually have an anecdote to share about my nephews, not to, not to, not to completely bogart your exciting yeah. part of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know me well enough to know that that's exactly what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, no, this is off the rails. Anyway, um, speaking of nephews, my sister texted me uh, well, last night after I got out of seeing um, Jason Bourne. Um, she said uh, in a group text to, to me and my brother, basically to preface this, my sister has two boys, uh, ages five and four, Gavin and Landon. And she texted me and said, Gavin and Landon were sent to bed about an hour ago. I started hearing like men talking about masks or something. Then I hear quote, people do put masks on and kill people. (laughs) Uh, I was like WTF turns out they turned their PS three on, didn't have a movie in. So just listened. And, uh, to, to put more context into this, when, uh, when my sister got them a PS three, I went ahead and loaded a bunch of, uh, episodes of obsessive viewer on the (laughs) audio section. (laughs) 
And they just happen to be to be listening to our episode uh, OV uh, eighteen. What scares us? Yep, I remember <laughs> that one fondly. <laughs> so, um, so that's what we do. We traumatize kids on this podcast. It's what we're best at. Yes, that's what we're known for. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> that's anyway, a, that's hilarious. Yeah, I was. I got a huge kick out of it. Your plan um, worked. It did. Oh yeah, I'm slowly indoctrinating these kids. <laughs> it's hilarious. You picked that one to put on there. Oh, I put all of them on there. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. So today on the podcast, we're talking about second opinions. Uh, but first, I actually also, I'm the worst at this. I have a couple, uh, one other housekeeping thing to uh, address or a couple things. First is tickets are on sale for Shocktober and Irvington 3. Um, if you're in Indianapolis, we host a yearly event at the Irving Theater in Irvington called Shocktober and Irvington. You can find more information about that at shocktoberandirvington.com. Basically, it's a one-night event screening of short horror films from local filmmakers. We raffle off DVDs, Blu-rays, gift cards to local businesses, interview the filmmakers on stage. It's a blast. All the money goes to the Irvington Historical Society. And as a special bonus for um, obsessive viewer listeners... Uh, you can get $1 off the price of admission when you use the promo code PODCAST1. That's PODCAST in the number one when you buy your tickets online. For more information and a link to buy tickets are at shocktoberinirvington.com. Okay, and I think that's... Oh, also, my solo side project podcast uh, anthology is going strong. Um, I just wanted to make an announcement here that I think this weekend I'm going to do a marathon recording session and record like four episodes. Cool. Maybe, hopefully. Um, but that is to make it so that I can do it bonus episodes because, and this can kind of go into an impromptu news thing because we only have really one piece of news now that I think about it. Um, because on October 21st of this year, guess what is going to happen on Netflix, Tiny? I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I, was really, I was trying to think of something. I was like something. Right. I don't know. No, it's, well, sort well, yeah, yeah sort of. Um, one of my personal favorite shows currently out there in the in the world today Black Mirror is coming out with uh, yeah. six new episodes on Netflix October 21st. I personally can't freaking wait. Nice. Um, they've announced several directors and cast for several episodes, but and I know the one that um, I kind of have in my in the forefront of my mind is Dan uh, Trachtenberg, who did Ten Cloverfield Lane. Okay. Um, he's directing an episode, so I'm hoping that that's in this batch of episodes. Um, but anyway, so I'm excited about that, and in honor of Black Mirror. Coming back on Anthology, I'm going to be doing bonus episodes reviewing each episode of Black Mirror on Anthology um, in the weeks leading up to the premiere. Cool. October 21st. So, like I said, that's kind of the only, that's kind of the only news segment we have for this, uh, this, uh, this episode. Tiny, do you have any thoughts on Black Mirror? You watched a little bit of it, didn't you? I watched a little bit of it. I never finished it. Um... Mm -hmm. God, what's the the one with Toby Kebbell was the I watched like a little bit of it and um oh um um something with their phones the entire history of you yeah that one Real, and yeah. you, did you say you didn't finish I never it never finished that one are no. you serious it was it was good i mean the show's good like the first couple episodes and everything i liked mm -hmm. them and that one was good i don't know i just never finished it very like that I've talked about this on the podcast before, and this, I mean, I'll talk about it when I review it on Anthology, but like that episode, the, to preface it, the time, the time in my life when I watched that episode was, I won't go into personal, personal reasons for it, but that affected me so deeply because it's about a guy 
I don't know. It, it's just uh, a guy dealing with his insecurities, and it's it's so. Oh God, that episode just tore me apart. It was amazing. Nice. Um. So yeah. Uh. Someday I'll watch it all. Nice. I I hope yeah. you do. Um. Like I said, it's one of my favorite shows currently in the past like two years that i've seen mm-hmm. um so yeah so that's coming out october 21st on netflix and you can check out anthology at anthologypod.com so tiny sir today is our second opinions episode or changed opinions i'm not sure how i'm going to title it um so this is kind of a uh this is a topic that i kind of had in mind specifically for this episode because this is ov 180 and these are movies or shows that we did a 180 on oh damn yeah. you clever son of a gun right i was so proud of that oh yep i don't know i don't know either anyway <laughs> um it's funny because if you listen to the bonus episode with fecus that i recorded last week that will go up before this episode um we reference this topic nice. um anyway so yeah uh yeah second opinions these are you know as people who watch movies we grow as humans that's a weird way to phrase it as humans we grow and as we watch movies our perspective on them um should in theory change as we grow older we can kind of take away certain elements from movies or shows that we that we saw in childhood or uh, in at a at a specific time or maybe just different circumstances of seeing it like maybe we were tired or something and that can cause us to have completely different opinions so tiny i've been talking a lot do you want to uh go into a little bit more detail about this topic yeah uh i think i knew exactly what you meant when you pitched this to me i was like <laughs> Yeah, like one movie just popped right into my head. I was like, yep, this one. Nice. And I I think, just speaking personally, I, I could probably do like three of these episodes. There's probably, nice. especially talking about TV shows, I, mm-hmm. I only have movies for this one. But like thinking about TV shows and stuff, there's, I mean, there's probably 10 things I could, I could talk about regarding this topic. Um, so I was eager to, eager to jump on it. And, you know, especially stuff that we've talked about on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. That I think my opinions have changed just since we started the podcast. Oh, really? Um, are any are any of yours like things that we've talked about in the podcast that you've changed? Yes. Nice. Just one though. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's. I mean, it's. I, I think it's. I think it's a, a pretty common. It's a very common thing. I think there's a lot of people who have been, you know, have had a changed opinion or a second mm-hmm. opinion on on a movie or TV show. So, I, I think it's a common thread. I do too. Yeah. I think it's something that I'm surprised that it's taken us 180 episodes to get to. Really, <laughs> I mean, in some form or another, we've probably talked ab- about this type of thing tangentially. Like mm-hmm. we've done nostalgia movies, we've done uh, uh, teen movies, like movies that we saw at formative times of our lives, and mm-hmm. how we view them now. Guilty pleasure movies. They they can kind of be. I'm sure that some of the titles that we're going to be discussing today are similar or they can fit into different categories but it'll be interesting to see under this um specific um characterization or this classification i should say um see it under this lens basically agreed yep so we both have three things Mm -hmm. and uh why don't you go ahead and get us kicked off tiny i'd be happy to and just to preface this we have no idea what each other is going to bring up yeah so i have no idea um, the first one is a movie we talked about a couple years ago, the movie Boyhood. Okay. Yeah. Um, which I think you and Mike both had it on your top tens for that year, maybe. 
I think so. And I actually own it on Blu-ray. I haven't rewatched it since. Okay. Um, yeah. So anyway, I know Mike loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I gave him a lot of friction on that cause I wasn't crazy about it. Right. Um, the, the biggest thing for me about the movie when I saw it was this kid's just not a good actor. Um, <laughs> and it just, it just rubbed me the wrong way from the get go. And you know, he's the main character and we're literally watching him grow. It's just like, it just, it just completely took me out of the movie. Um, and I think some of the other performances, while they're fine or kind of good, I think, I think they kind of, they kind of suffered as a res- the performances kind of suffered as a result of the, the the way it was filmed over mm-hmm. what was it ten years I think uh for twelve years twelve years was it that yeah many? twelve years I think okay twelve years I think so because there was the joke that because it was obviously a yeah, twelve years a slave came out too so right there was the joke that it, people referred to it as twelve years a white kid yeah that's right <laughs> okay um so I mean that. I just feel like the other performances suffered as a result of that. Um, you know, I, I think, I assume it would be very difficult to come back to a character once a year and only, you know, play that character for a week or something. Right. Like I, I could, I assume that'd be difficult. Um, and so all that stuff just kind of like rubbed me the wrong way when I, when I saw it the first time. And incidentally, like, I think maybe a month or two after we recorded our end of the year episode where we talked about mm-hmm. it. Um, I watched like half of it with my dad because my dad had never seen it. Okay. And I was just like, man, I don't, I had some kind of stick up my ass when I was watching this because <laughs> I, 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 I truly chalk it up to my like attitude and my mm-hmm. shortcomings as a viewer when mm-hmm. I was watching it, uh, that led to my opinion. And, and I, th- I think, I was focusing on the wrong things. Yeah, the kid's not a very good actor, but, you know, he had a camera on him since he was 10 years old or whatever. Right. And, you know, and he, it's, like I said, it's very challenging to come back to a character once a year and play him for a week mm-hmm. and then put him up on a shelf for, for a year and then come back to him and be like, that's hard to do. And, and I don't think, uh, the kid's a very good actor, but he wasn't, he wasn't absolutely horrendous. He wasn't, um, I, I, I did see growth with the character, you know, mm-hmm. I, I sympathized with the character at, at several different times and stuff like that. So I, I think he did his job. Um, and I, I, I should give him a little more credit than I, than I did. Um, I don't think, um, Patricia Arquette necessarily earned her Oscar. I think she yeah. earned the, nomin- she earned the nomination. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but I, I, I just not especially satisfied with her with her uh, performance in the movie. Um, but to her and Ethan Hawke, again, great job. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's so hard to do. Um, but, but more than anything, it's just, I think it's just the, the producers and was it Richard Linklater? Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. yeah Linklater. I confuse him with Soderbergh. Uh, that's right. All the time. He, I don't know why. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. That uh, came up in an episode of the podcast. Too. Yeah. And I think yeah. he took it out. Or did you leave it in? I think I left in the tail end of it. Or I think I put it as a tag because I'm a dick. I think you did. <laughs> no, it was so ridiculous. I was just thinking of Steven Soderbergh the whole time. And you went on for a long time. I did. It was like 10 minutes. Yeah. It was really stupid. Um, was, everyone has brain farts. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I think the, the largest amount of credit in my book goes to Richard Linklater and the producers of the movie just for having the guts to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is it's just an, an insane achievement. I think I think it's... It's in the upper echelon of film achievements with movies like, 
you know, like Citizen Kane and, and Titanic and uh, those movies that we talk mm-hmm. about as being like complete game changers and being in a class all on their own. And and I think Boyhood is one of those movies. I, I no one's ever had the no one's ever gotten everything together from the actors and the producers and the crew and everything gotten them all together to do something like this before. Right. And not only did they try it, they succeeded and they made a pretty cool movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think I was just, I was in the wrong frame of mind when I saw it and I, I focused on the wrong things when I was watching it. And I think it's a, a really good movie. I hope it, I hope it stands the test of time and, and it, it goes down as a classic and, you know, and, 15 years or 20 years or 50 years in film classes, it's a topic of discussion. Like, I, I hope it's one of those movies. I, I liked it when I, when I saw it and I haven't, like I said, I haven't revisited it or anything, but I, I'd be very curious to see if it'll be studied or, or revered mm-hmm. in time. Cause I mean, I don't, I don't really think I've heard it discussed that much yeah. in general since it, since right. the Oscars really, when it, uh, a year or two ago. Yeah, I'm not sure um, what kind of staying power it's going to have, but yeah, I, I it'll be it, interesting. I hope it does have some. Right. Nice. Yeah, I remember liking it. I own the Blu-ray. I need to take out like half a day to rewatch it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, because it's super long. It is long. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to uh, do that. Um, but that's a good <laughs> pick, and it's good to know that you can like, you go into something and you don't like. Even if you go into it with a certain bias, you don't stick to that, that initial conception of it or that initial like reaction to it. You don't sit there and think like, okay, well, uh, I had a crappy time seeing this movie. So, or I, I, eh, like you said, had a bug up your ass or stick up your ass mm-hmm. watching this movie. So I'm just going to keep that from me having a different opinion of it later on down the road. Right. So, yeah, I can respect that. True. What's your first one? Um, so. Um, the, this is kind of a grouping, but there are also movies that I don't necessarily know that they'll be studied. Um, <laughs> um, I know what you did last summer and I did not think you were going to say that last summer. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh yeah. Um, so, okay. So this is kind of, um, this is kind of a cheat. It's a big grouping of things. So, Okay, I know what you did last summer, and I could also throw in I still know what you did last summer. Okay. But also movies like Urban Legend, and um, I'm blanking on some of the other ones, but basically the post-Scream 90s, early 2000s slasher movies. And these are movies that I changed my opinion on because when I first saw them, um, let's see, I know what you did last summer, Urban Legend, Final Destination also falls into that. Mm-hmm. Um I saw them at a time where I was super into slasher movies because Scream was like the greatest thing I'd ever seen at that point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what, four, 12, 13? Yeah. 11, 12? I don't know. I can't count. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, so I was, I was, I was a youngin. And so it, when I saw them, I thought like, oh, this is, this is, they're not, I didn't see it as copying the Scream. Um, framework, but I saw it as like, oh, this is like Scream, or this is like, um, oh, Halloween H2O would also fall in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll get to, I'll mention that separately as an addendum to this, but anyway, um, these post Scream 90s slashers were all, 
the rage after Scream hit it big. And in my young mind, I just ate it up because I thought like, oh, this is amazing. I know what you did last summer. A group of people in like, uh, I think it was like, I don't remember, that, like a coast, east, east coastal town in New England. Um, I was like, this is such a cool setting. And these like, look at Jennifer Love Hewitt. Um, <laughs> not to mean that in an objectifying way, but. You know, anyway, um, and then like Urban Legend. Oh, this is like Scream at a college. And instead of horror movies, it's Urban Legends. This is amazing. <laughs> and then like going back as like an adult or like with someone who has seen more things in the time between the time I was 11 and now, I can see like these were all reactionary to um, the slasher craze of the time. And these were all cash ins. These were all movies that were just capitalizing on the scream phenomenon, which scream was a huge hit because it basically, um, you know, reignited a a portion of the horror genre to the mainstream. And that became a big selling point for studios. And I mean, like I kind of want to single out urban legend in particular, because like I said, it is literally scream at college with like before scream Two. But and with urban legends instead of horror movies, like it's it's such a bizarre movie because they, it's I don't know. And I rewatched it. Um, let's see, when was this? A f- couple years ago, two 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 or two and a half years ago. And I actually wrote a review on obsessiveviewer.com way back then. Um, when I actually wrote reviews, I need to re- get back to writing reviews. <laughs> anyway, um, so and it did not hold up at all because it was just so so. Uh, bad and like this yeah and over the top and really just not at all a cohesive movie in and of itself and there are some good things like robert england has a cameo or a cameo slash uh guest or uh supporting role in it um and they they do some nice like freddy um homages to it but for the most part just this was just a reaction to the scream phenomenon and Going back and rewatching it is kind of painful, and I uh, bet. yeah, and I know what you did last summer is a little bit more unique and of its own thing because it is based on a teen uh, thriller novel, um, but it still didn't really work for me when I when I revisited it. And uh, I said I would add on Halloween H two O, which that is such a such an interesting movie <laughs> because I loved it when I was a kid. Like this was like that was. I think that might have been my introduction to the Halloween franchise. I'm pretty sure it was, yeah. And it was just so much screamifying Michael Myers. Like, there's even parts where um, Michael Myers is, uh, like, going after Michelle Williams and Josh Hartnett. And, like, this, the theme music or, or some of the score from Scream 2 is played <laughs> Like it's just it's mm-hmm. reused. Uh, Marco Beltrami's score, and uh, there's even a clip from Scream Two in it, like in in the movie and on TV. Um, it was just, it was like that was another just reaction to Scream. And uh, Kevin Williamson actually co-wrote the or had a writing credit on the Halloween H two O um script. And uh, if you go back to in the podcast, there we did a full franchise retrospective on Halloween. I'm sure that we discussed this in full with our co-host Mike, who's on sabbatical still. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so kind of my first entry is just post-Scream 90s slashers, just in general, because 
anytime Hollywood follows trends, it always kind of has a, a factor of uh, diminishing returns come out of it whenever you revisit it. Absolutely. It's like, uh, unfortunately, when something's go mainstream, they turn into like pop culture and it's like, it's like they turned, it's like Taylor Swift turning into Scream. I mean, it's like, it's like pop music, pop music movies is what it feels like. Right. And it's like, like you said, diminishing returns. It has a, I think it has a negative effect on, as opposed to, you know, you think, oh, this is a trend. Let's just ride this trend. It's, it, basing art on trends is a very not a good idea right <laughs> and it doesn't work very often exactly and it forsakes forsakes uh creativity or right in uh in innovation it bottlenecks everything exactly yeah i agree those uh, those movies weren't very good <laughs> right have you have you revisited uh have you seen urban legend in recent no. years yeah no. don't it's <laughs> it's so it's so bad how many? Ugh. I know what you did last summer. Did they make it? Was it just two? Um, they made two theatrical ones. The um, <laughs> the uh, the second one, and I I know I've said this on the podcast before. So if you're tired of hearing this, I think I've said it once or twice. I think like way back in the early days. So anyway, um, <laughs> um, so <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing. Uh, I still know what you did last summer. I saw it in theaters. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and I guess this isn't that, uh, that embarrassing. It's kind of, uh, an interesting, this is actually a good, I'll, I'll spin it into a positive, okay? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's actually an interesting representation of the, the movie theater experience or the movie theater climate of the time, really, because this was what, like early 2000s, like 2000, 2001? Yeah. Um, I would think, um, so I still know what you did last summer. It's, ends in a way that's i mean you can kind of see where it's going so i'm not going to bother with spoilers aren't necessary um by the end of the movie there is a moment where in the theater this was 98 actually um in 98 in the theater people erupted in cheers like clapping and cheering what was going on it was when like a character came back to to save another character and i was oh, like god I was like, wow, that's, and like, if, if I could go back in time, all I would think would be, that's the last time anyone claps for Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> which is, I mean, he seems like a good guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's my, that's my first entry in this topic. And, yeah. uh, they're uh, making another, yet another sequel, I think, to Final Destination, aren't they? Number six? I don't, I think they have six now. Oh. Five, uh, <laughs> uh, I know that they've had at least five because when the fifth one came out, I was really upset that they didn't name it Five Null Destination. <laughs> yeah. That's um, right. <laughs> also, I should mention that they have I Know What You Did Last Summer, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, and then like some straight to DVD, like one or two of them, I'm not sure, but um, like I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh, okay. That's clever. Uh, so what's your next one, Tiny? Uh, number two for me is 1989's Glory. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, which I think is one of the best war movies ever made. Still a gap movie for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, there's there's kind of a anecdote story that goes along with this. Mm-hmm. Um, when the film came out, I don't know if it was the studio or someone basically released an edited version because I think Ooh. it's rated R. 
Okay. For just for like gore and stuff, there's not really like language. I mean, there's mm-hmm. obviously the N word quite a bit. Right. Um, but they, they, the studio or someone released an edited version that was PG 13 or like PG just okay. so teachers could show it in the classroom. That's awesome. Yeah. And we saw that version when I, I remember we were in fifth grade and we mm-hmm. watched it in class and I had an adverse reaction to it because it was like, an assignment. It's like school. And so I was like, interesting. It's a school movie, whatever. And I think we were all taken aback by it because, you know, they left some like bad language in there Mm -hmm. and like some gore. And so we were all like, Oh my God, they just said ass. (laughs) I just said ass on the TV in school. Wow. Like we were, you know, dumbass kids. We were blown away by it. Right. Uh, And so as a result, I had, I had a lacking opinion of glory. Mm-hmm. As as a ten or eleven year old, you know, I was like, "Oh, whatever. It's it's a movie. It's a movie. It's it's fact. It's stupid." I don't know. <laughs> I just had I had a I had an adverse re- adverse reaction to it because of the fact that it was because of the setting that I saw it in. Okay, and I just kind of dismissed it for years, mm-hmm. and then I saw it again. I think I borrowed the unedited, like the the full version of it on like DVD or something. I saw it as a teenager okay. and I cried like three times. Really? The movie's phenomenal. Nice. Um, I, I contend to this day that it is Denzel Washington's best performance. Oh wow. Which is a big statement. Right. And I also think it's Matthew Broderick's best performance, which, which is a statement. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, so it's just, it's a really incredible movie. Morgan Freeman also mm-hmm. in the film. Um, great cast. It's, it's just like, it's one of those movies that just taps into, and it, the g- coolest thing about it is it's completely true. Um, right. It's the, the 54th, Massachusetts 54th Regiment, I believe, mm-hmm. um, was an all black, uh, an all black regiment in the Civil War, uh, that was used, um, for the, it was a Union regiment, obviously, and they fought against the South, and they were led by white officers, and so there's, you know, interracial camaraderie and, and mm-hmm. all that stuff and it's it's just a really it's an amazing story and and I, I just really appreciate the way they captured it without being too uh, too sappy i guess or like too too ridiculous obviously the movie's called glory and so so they they showcase the the uh they they obviously glorify things a little bit but right. uh, you know i i think they glorify yeah um, the, uh, I, I think they, I think they used the sentiment well, and I don't think they, they were overly sappy or like, it didn't feel like empty patriotism or, mm-hmm. or, or that they did anything, any injustice. It felt like a, a, a true representation of what actually happened to those people. And I don't know. It just, it just taps into, taps into all the, all the great emotions that a war movie really mm-hmm. should. And, I, I recommend it very highly. I have it on Blu-ray. It's it's a great movie. May I borrow that Blu-ray? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Okay, good. Carrie um, Elwes is also in it. I forgot he's in it. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And to your uh, dig about Ma- Matthew Broderick, all I'll say is Godzilla 98. Oh, I'm an um, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which I think I mentioned at some point. I think that movie's a little underrated. I <laughs> it gets ripped unnecessarily. I think you know I haven't revisited it since seeing it when I was in like fifth grade. Yeah, but I remember my best friend in fifth grade at the time. 
he uh we broke up later i don't know we drifted <laughs> apart that's ridiculous anyway um <laughs> uh he kind of he showed it to me like he introduced me to godzilla and uh i remember liking it because he had so much enthusiasm for th- enthusiasm for it mm-hmm. and i remember really liking um hank azaria yeah in it and uh and I kind of remember, like, maybe that being, like, the first time I, like, recognized, and this might be, this might be a, a, an underhanded dig at the movie itself, but I remember thinking as, like, a fifth grader, like, recognizing it, like, recognizing a character being made strictly for comedic effect. <laughs> um, but no, uh, I remember that movie, that movie being, like, the movie that taught me about uh, com- uh, comic relief. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that's <laughs> something that, that was Roland Emmerich, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. yeah. That's something he got right. Oh, man. <laughs> um, nice. Maybe that movie will have a resurgence. That's ridiculous. I'm stupid. Mm. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, glory. That's a good, that's, that's, that's good. Yep. I feel like, I feel like in history class, we had to watch it too. Oh, really? I think, I don't know, in high school. I don't remember. I don't remember watching it in high school. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I dreamt it. Um, <laughs> no, so my next one's kind of interesting because this comes out of another instance where I'm like a, an obnoxious teen or preteen. Like this is probably when I was 13 or 14 years old. Um, the Harry Potter movies. Oh, okay. Um, this was at a time where I was kind of obnoxiously um what's the word? obnoxiously pretentious um and we've talked about this before like my favorite movie at the time was like oh god this is embarrassing to admit not not embarrassing to admit but the reasoning behind it anyway um god, i'm putting myself in a corner like my, like this was at a time where like my favorite movie in the world was like seven samurai or i remember that time. 2001 a space odyssey because no one my age liked those movies i remember maddie cuso oh jesus yeah yep <laughs> oh and that yo oh, yep uh-huh that was awesome cuso was matt's aol name aol name AOL and, messenger and uh halo 2 for those uh, who don't know, Kuzo is the main character. No, he is one of the samurai. He was one my favorite. Samurai, he was yeah. my favorite of the seven samurai. That's funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great movies. Seven Samurai and Two Thousand One yeah. are great movies, but yeah. I was just an obnoxious douchebag. I was the same way at some point. Sometimes. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very diplomatic way to handle that. Like <laughs> you're not in, like you're not saying outright like, yeah, you are an asshole. <laughs> You're you're saying like oh you know I was that way too everyone had their moments, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we did very diplomatic. <laughs> so anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, having having that mindset, having that fr- uh, that context in mind, um, the Harry Potter movies <laughs> came out around that time, and like I remember seeing like bits and pieces of the first one because like my mom and my sister really liked them, and I was like oh. They're playing that weird broomstick game and it looks so cheap and like you can see how bad the effects are and everything, which granted, (laughs) I mean, the first movie, I'm sure it hasn't dated or hasn't aged that well. Yeah. But that was at a time where I was just not interested at all in the subject of the, of, of the story or anything. I thought that it was like, oh, this is just silly little book series and everything. Um, and now I am eating those words because Harry Potter is freaking amazing. 
Word. And uh, I love I love the books, and the movies were really good. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, when you have such a rich world in in the book series and everything, the the movies, at least in my brain, like they they don't live up to um what they are right in that in that in that context or in when switching to movies um i'm saying that anticipating the dark tower with the most anticipation i've probably ever had in for a movie yeah so anyway um <laughs> this was at like i i eventually fell in love with harry potter the harry potter lore the series the the books and and also the movies i've been meaning to buy the 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 little blu-ray collection of um harry potter movies but i just haven't gotten around to it yeah but um but yeah i just i have the utmost respect for jk rowling and um admiration for that series and for the story that she told over so many years yeah and the way that the story kind of comes together i remember just i remember sitting at work reading like the last the last book deathly hollows and just thinking like I like just being really just amazed by how everything was coming together and how the story was, was coming to an ending. And I thought that that was really something unique and uh, amazing word. Yep. (laughs) No, I agree. I had, I had the same, I had the same opinion and reaction to Harry Potter. You know, I'm kidding. (laughs) So kidding. I've always, I don't know. It was just so popular. I just, Mm -hmm. I just immediately adopted like a contrarian attitude towards mm-hmm. it. Um, like all the, I had friends who would go like buy the books at mm-hmm. midnight and read, stay up and read them and like skip the next day of school. And I'm like, geez, calm down. It's a book. <laughs> um, I was like, you nerds. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just didn't, I didn't get it. And then I remember the fourth movie I watched, I watched the movies and I was like, yeah, whatever. Okay. But the fourth movie, uh, Gobble to Fire, I was like, that was kind of badass. I was like, that was actually a pretty cool movie. And I was like, maybe I'd like the series. A couple years later, read the books and the movie just kept getting better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I fell in love with the, with the stories as well. It's, it's awesome. Yep. Yep. And kind of a, not necessarily similar kind of thing, but I didn't add this on my list or anything, but I'll go ahead and throw it in here really quickly. But, um, the Lord of the Rings movies, Mm-hmm. Um, again, came out at a time where I was kind of snobbish and, and young, but I, I mean, I could still appreciate them and everything. Like I was like seeing, like, I, I remember seeing fellowship of the ring and being, I think I went into the movie expecting like, okay, well this movie doesn't have an ending, um, <laughs> right. because they're coming out with other ones. And I remember being a little disappointed with that. And then eventually I, uh, uh, returned to it later. I returned of the King to it later. <laughs> and, um, and now it's now it's uh now the uh box set extended edition Blu-rays adorn my Blu-ray collection. Same here. Yep. I had a bigger problem with the ending of the first movie. That's what I was talking about. Oh, the first one. Yeah, okay. I I said Return of the King because I'm a douche and I wanted to make a uh, pun, but it fell flat. Because I mean, the first one it ends with them just walking through a mic seriously, right? Uh, but the second one, you have the Battle of Helm's Deep mm-hmm. at the end. I was like, that's freaking awesome, right? Um, and they do have that nice like fight or whatever that that battle at the end of fellowship of the ring uh when sean bean blows the horn of uh gondor right right okay yeah that's true i almost said the horn of eld seriously february can't get here look at you february can't get here quick enough anyway (laughs) um yeah so anyway um real quick tangent um 
you didn't you didn't like the the Hobbit movies, did you? I can't remember. No. Yeah, I didn't. Th- <laughs> I didn't no. think so. I remember when I went to um, uh, Indiana Comic Con with Feckus, I'd asked him because I know that he's you know I know that he owns the Lord of the Rings complete set on Blu-ray, and I was like, do you? Do you ever th- did you did you ever buy like the complete set extended edition Blu-rays for The Hobbit just to have it to, as a complete to complete the collection? He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I was like, yeah, me neither. Nice. I seriously didn't, but uh, just yeah, I yeah. can. Yeah, I told myself I liked the first one, the first Hobbit. Yeah, and then the second one, I was like, I had the biggest uh, Benedict Cumber boner. Oh yeah, and so I was like, "He's the I I have to like it because mm-hmm. he's the dragon. I have to like it." Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they're not good. Yeah, yeah. I I'll need to rewatch the first one again at some point. But I remember liking it just because I liked the uh, the the return to Middle Earth essentially after so okay. long not having the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, just going back to that world and and those characters uh, were really enjoyable to me, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that did not pan out. Um, Word. Yeah. I agree. So, I think it's back to me again. Yes, sir. Third I was one. yawning, so I didn't oh, have yeah. a chance. So, what, what's your next and last one? My third and last entry is the movie Alpha Dog from 2006. Oh, interesting. Yes, uh, huh. Nick, Nick Cassavetes movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I saw the movie, I think it was like when I was in college, like when the movie came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see it in the theater, but I think someone rented it or something like that. I, okay. I, I don't recall, but um, again, it it was another instance of of me focusing on the wrong things when I watched mm-hmm. the movie. Um, I I could not get over, and I remember I remember what it is. I could not get over the douchiness of a lot of the characters. I can see that. I mean, they were just uh. Gosh, why can't I think of his name? Um, the um, oh, gosh, the actor. Why can't I think of his name? I keep wanting to say Anton Yelchin, but that's not who you're referring to. No, it's not. Well, Justin Timberlake, Justin Timberlake, and um, Emil uh, Hirsch. Emil Hirsch. Thank there you. you. Go. Yes, and it was a unique name. Mm-hmm. Um, they they were just such big douchebags mm-hmm. that I was. They were like these wannabe gangsters, and they thought they were really cool, and just because they sell drugs they think they're like these really cool gangster guys it just drove me nuts and i just i couldn't focus on anything else um and i i mean looking back i it's crazy because anton yelchin was phenomenal in the movie Mm -hmm. rest in peace um and uh ben foster just insanely intense in that movie and just Mm -hmm. really just completely like off the rails performance mm-hmm. in the best possible way as someone can be off the rails in a, in a, in a performance. Right. Um, I, I was, you know, in, in hindsight, I'm really, really impressed with those performances, uh, as well as a handful of other ones. But it was, yeah, it was just the douchiness of those characters. I, I focused on that and I was like, I just hate these guys so much that I, <laughs> I dismissed the rest of the movie. Right. And I really wish I hadn't because I think it's actually a really good movie. Um, again, it's a true story. Um, and just to think that, it, that all this stuff actually happened and the, the way that it's structured and documented throughout the movie is, is very clever and it has this sense of authenticity to it, um, that I was really, that I'm really impressed with. Um, and, and even though those characters are huge douchebags, I'm sure the guys in real life were huge douchebags. Right. So those are probably pretty accurate portrayals. <laughs> um, and, and 
again, in hindsight, I think Emil Hirsch and Justin Timberlake and uh, some of those other other actors, they did a really good job. They they embodied their characters, and I think they were they were true to what the characters needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it was just an unfortunate opinion I had. Um, it's it's a really good movie. It's it's very hard to watch because there's it's it's a very rough subject. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's 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 very well done, and I, I really can't. It, it was kind of my introduction to Nick Cassavetes. I think maybe I had seen some of his other movies, but mm-hmm. after I after I grew and grew an appreciation for this movie, I I was like, I think I'm a Nick Cassavetes fan now because. He did an incredible job with that movie. Um, I, if, if you haven't seen Alpha Dog, go check it out. It's I, I think it. I don't think it was a financial success. I think it did poorly in theaters, but it gained a bit of a cult following. Maybe um, it's it's a really good movie. Yeah, I'm not even I'm not even that sure if it had a full theatrical run or anything. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember I remember you recommending it to me, um, and me watching it and really, really, really liking it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't, I haven't rewatched it since. I I don't think I own it either. Um, oh, really? That's a movie I would have bought, but I, I don't think I ever bought it. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's something I'll have to revisit again too. But um, I remember really liking it um, a lot. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so rounding out the topic is this is kind of a loaded one. Um, <laughs> uh, the example I'm going to have. And I'll talk to that and then I'll expand upon it as a general subject. Um, the Village. Okay. M. Night Shyamalan's movie that, okay, so, so when I first saw this movie, I was, um, I believe it was the summer before our senior year, I think. Mm-hmm. And if I'm remembering correctly, it was when I worked at a movie theater that has now closed it's been closed for a long time um r.i.p eagle highlands anyway um <laughs> so i worked there for like, like four months but um one of the benefits was seeing a lot of free movies and that was amazing um that's actually where i met chad from uh who's now doing a um, secular perspective right um so anyway um one of the perks of working at the movie theater was getting to see the free movies but also getting to sit in and watch movies the night before they came out. That's cool. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, so that was one of the, like one of the experiences that I had, the first experience I had watching the village. And also this is kind of cool. Cause this was, um, ah, cool. Um, <laughs> this is also when I was writing reviews like regularly on, um, IMDb, like, Oh yeah. And posting on the IMDb message boards, <laughs> which man, I did the, uh, decade reviews, um, series. Yeah. Uh, but I never finished it. And I think I got up to the part where I was going to start my, I did basically a full M night Shyamalan retrospective at the time. So it was in the lead up to the village. Um, so I'll have to, when I have more time, I will go back and I'll redo, I'll finish out that review series. But I remember specifically in the review for the village, I remember, either in the review or in like a, like on IMDb's message boards or something, I remember referring to the village as M night Shyamalan's latest masterpiece. Oh boy. And, uh, again, I think that it was because I had such an M night Shyamalan boner for all things Shyamalan, because I loved the sixth sense. I loved unbreakable signs and, 
Uh, Unbreakable Signs. That sounds like a completely separate movie. <laughs> it does. Um, but anyway, um, it would still be better than The Visit. But anyway, um, so the lead up to The Village was like, this guy is like this amazing, amazing filmmaker, genius, auteur. And, uh, you know, not so much. He's not, yeah. he's, he doesn't age well. Um, The Village is one of those movies that, I've I revisited it I think a year or two ago and it's it's clunky I still really like several parts of it there's a part in the middle of it that is utilizes silence really well and it's and it's an act of violence that propels characters into into the second half of the movie and it basically switches it it switches the um, it kind of utilizes a a, um, a Hitchcock technique in which it's kind of like the psycho thing where they change protagonists about halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. That happens in The Village. Um, and I really like the way that he did that, but the entire concept, like the entire twist ending, everything everything about it really didn't really work for me when I rewatched it. Um and it, it's kind of weird because like a lot, like so much of the dialogue comes across as so stilted and awkward and uncomfortable. And you can make an argument that that's intentional because of the nature of what happens in the, at the end of the movie. But also it's like, it's also like, don't give him that much of a pass because I've seen his other recent movies and that's not acceptable. <laughs> um, which... Yeah, it, and I've kind of I've really fallen away from as most other people have away from being a fan of Shyamalan's work or looking forward to it. And I talked about it last year, but when The Visit came out, it was kind of a different thing for him in the sense that not not necessarily in the sense that oh, he's doing found footage now. It's more that he's partnering with Jason Blum because Blumhouse Productions, what they do is they give filmmakers like a very small budget and gives them complete creative control, releases at a a specific time of the year and rakes in quadruple how much they paid for it. And that's, I mean, it's it's an incredible business model. Um, But with The Visit, like The Visit just exposed how out of touch he is with humans. (laughs) (laughs) Um, like the dialogue, the, the character interactions, like the things that people do in this movie and in, in, I'm afraid in a lot of his past work too, just make no sense and comes across as again, stilted and awkward. And, um, tiny, have you seen the trailer for split? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. what do you think of that trailer? I hate to say it intrigues me, but Uh, that's fair. That's fair. At the same time, I'm like, this looks over the top. It it does. It does. There's uh there are a few things I want to point out about this trailer and um and then we can move on to Potpourri, but um just at the outset of the trailer, the opening scene of the trailer are these girls in a car and then they see like their dad, presumably their dad, at the back of the car loading in groceries or whatever he's doing, and then the girl sees um, whatever he's putting in the back of the of the car on the on the ground, as if he's dropped it and been you know something endangered. Also, granted, I'm going to preface this by saying that this is this is promotional material. I don't know how it plays out in the finished movie. I don't know contextually how it is, but 
the way it's cut in the trailer is that James McAvoy gets into the car and then one of the girls, like the actual line says, pardon me, sir, I think you have the wrong car. Yeah. Like, who, who, who on the planet would react to a complete stranger getting into a car when you're presumably your father or an adult figure, someone near you is missing in the middle of what looks like a traffic jam. Who is going to use like that proper reaction in that? Uh, I don't know. That just irked me. And then also the entire movie kind of seemed like, like he's, uh, this is completely unfair, but it kind of seems like he's like, like he saw psycho and was like, yeah, I could do it better. <laughs> um, and, and James McAvoy, like, I don't know that, that trailer just bugged me. And, 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 as as harsh as this sounds, I I don't like the idea of people giving M Night Shyamalan credit or 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 giving him like being excited for his work because I know that he's not he he doesn't need that <laughs> like the visit wasn't good and I don't know that comes across as more snobby than anything I might actually cut that out but anyway um I just I, I can't get. I've heard some positive buzz about the trailer and I just can't get behind it for myself. I I don't think it looks good. And I don't think as much as M night, as much as I would like M night Shyamalan to become or to kind of return to his roots and, and create movies that are like, like the movies I liked when I first saw his work, like Sixth sense, unbreakable signs. I, I still like those movies. I still think they hold up. Yeah. I haven't seen them recently, but, um, I would like to see him return to that, but I don't know. I don't know. I kind of got away from, did I, did I cover the the topic? (laughs) I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. It's just, it's his work does not hold up to me. And, uh, and I can see the, I can see the, um, issues with his filmmaking nowadays too. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I haven't watched The Village in several years, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm not really sure how it holds up. But I, I would be inclined to think I, I'd align with what you said. Um, the last time I watched it, I was maybe in my early 20s, and I was like, "Yeah, this did not hold up as well as you know mm-hmm. when I was a kid and watched it." Um, and 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 to 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 talk about the trailer for Split, um, I think of the. There was a time where it, it felt to me like there were like 20 movies that came out where a character had multiple personality disorder and it just got mm. played to death in the span of like seven or ten years. And I was like, S- just stop. Stop using <laughs> right. it. And of, of the maybe 50 movies out there that have uh, multiple personality disorder as like a, a, a you know part of the movie mm-hmm. maybe five of them are good <laughs> right or right maybe 10 of them are good and this that. one just takes it to 11 because like in the trailer yeah. it's like i he has like 26 personalities and yeah. i'm like i don't even know if I, like multiple personality disorder is doesn't he isn't even like an actual like disorder anymore it's 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 um uh, uh disassociative disassociative personality disorder or something right. i don't think it works quite like how it's depicted in movies yeah i mean from what i've read about it i'm not a doctor or a scientist or anything mm-hmm. but I, it, it's technically possible to and there have been cases where people have had like dozens of personalities but it's mm-hmm. like it's just so unbelievably rare right and it's so hard to function in society in any respect if you have a a disorder that's that debilitating mm-hmm. it's just 
it just doesn't really make for a good story. It's right. just too unrealistic, really. And granted, if that if if uh, you can you can set up anything in a movie, and as long as it fits the rules of the universe, it shouldn't be a problem. But knowing M Night Shyamalan, he doesn't set things up properly. Yeah. Like he doesn't set up rules in his movies properly. Or, right. Uh, that in his dialogue is just absolute like it's seriously watching the visit was like i like i don't know if he's ever spoken to another human being <laughs> it's so weird the way people talk in that movie weird um i hope it's yeah. i hope this i hope split is good i do james mcavoy is one of my favorite actors mm-hmm. i don't care the fact that it's m night Shyamalan. and i don't i don't necessarily want him to be super successful or anything but <laughs> i love james mcavoy i want his movies to be good so mm-hmm. i i hope it's good but I don't have a lot of hopes that it is. Right. <laughs> I hope that it gets some positive buzz so I don't go in I don't go into the movie. I don't feel like a chore like it's a chore to go see the yeah, movie. Right, right. Um that's where I'm at with it. Gotcha. Um so okay, so that's it for our main topic, our second chance movies or changed opinions or whatever I decide to title it, our one eighty opinions. Um, so before we get to potpourri, um, I just want to read some, I, I put a post out on Facebook. You can like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. Um, if you're listening to this and you haven't done that already, go ahead and do that. Cause I really like seeing it rise and everything, the numbers. And, uh, we're kind of close to 500 and who knows if we get to 500, maybe there will be a surprise. Ooh. I might, you know, take everyone out for ice cream or <laughs> <laughs> something i don't know it's not creepy at all um not so much we're up to 480 so definitely go like the page cool um i think like 20 of them are actually real um <laughs> <laughs> joking um anyway uh so i put the post out on facebook and on twitter saying tonight we're recording an episode about movies or shows we've changed our opinion on either with time or by rewatching it uh what are some titles you've changed your opinion of so I'll go ahead and read these from Matt Quiet from the Nerds Domain and There Are Four Lights podcast, uh, reviewing Star Trek. Uh, he put Moulin Rouge. I found it hard to watch. I listened to a podcast and they went over why it was a good movie. I rewatched it. Still not my favorite movie, but I can appreciate it now. That's an interesting pick. That is, yeah. yeah. If I'm not mistaken, are you a fan of that movie? Uh, no. Okay. So it has its moments, but not really. Okay. Um... Okay, so uh, next up is Tony Troxell. Uh, he he wrote The Phantom Menace, uh, walked out of the theater after the midnight showing, happy and excited, gave in to the internet hate through the prequels. Now I'm back to, hey, it's not great, but it has good moments. Sure, it's not my Star Wars, but it's no worse than Return of the Jedi. Hashtag unpopular opinion. <laughs> um, and he actually got two likes on that comment so interesting people agree i think it's worse than return of the jedi <laughs> yeah i you know how i feel about that series. yeah we've talked about it we have it's um, star wars it is um trek's better uh brandon cruz from apathetic enthusiasm podcast and submitted for your approval podcast a twilight zone podcast that i was a guest on on episode 26 talking about the first season episode execution um brandon wrote uh, and he also celebrated a birthday yesterday, so happy birthday, Brandon. Um, he wrote, not a show, but as a kid, I disliked George Orwell's Animal Farm. I decided at some point in my, dar- my adulthood to revisit it. Needless to say, I got more out of it with a bit of maturity. And that's really, that's really an in- interesting thing because 
obviously that's another angle as well is that, you know, when you're a kid, you can't really grasp right. everything. Um, Allegory but, and whatnot. Right. Yeah. So next up is Jeff is from Jeff Palermo from Sci-Fi on Screen. He writes, believe it or not, Batman Begins. I left the theater thinking that they crammed too much exposition and story into the running time by jump cut editing and short scenes. And overall, that uh, and overall that it was sort of a perfunctory hero story. Now it's one of my favorite films of all time. That's crazy. That's a big jump. Oh yeah, um, that's one of those movies that I can't like. That was like that was kind of I almost want to say kind of my introduction to. Um, Batman lore. Oh yeah, I, I was never really a Tim Burton Batman guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember seeing that at the aforementioned Eagle Highlands R.I.P. Uh, movie theater, and uh, really, really liking it. And he actually, uh, Jeff actually has a review of Batman Begins on his podcast, Sci-Fi on Screen. It's episode eighteen. I highly recommend checking out that podcast. It's really good. Cool. So let's see. Next up, I just got a couple more. Pat Coon from the Nerds You're Looking For podcast. Who he and Tyler are working on a short film for Shocktober in Irvington. Awesome. Yes, I cannot wait to see what they come up with, and I know it's going to be fantastic and amazing. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I keep, I keep, I keep meaning to reference it just because they've, like, uh, he's mentioned it, he's, he's mentioned it on, on the Nerds You're Looking For podcast, and they keep referencing how, like, they need to make sure that uh, they reference it so they actually do it and they finish it and yeah. everything. So, um, they effing better. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what they come up with. Me too. Um, so anyway, so Pat says, X-Men The Last Stand saw it at a midnight showing and was really excited to see more X-Men, most notably Juggernaut, in this film than previous. Uh, so excited that I ignored its giant, fl- its giant flaws and plot holes. I've liked it less and less every time I've watched it to the point now where it is almost unwatchable. And, uh, yeah, you know, that's an interesting one because X-Men The Last Stand is like, that came out after two, at the time, at the two of like the biggest superhero movies or comic book movies. Oh, yeah. And this was like right on the cusp of this comic book movie renaissance and everything. So it makes sense to latch on to The Last Stand when you saw it, when you see it. Um, at that time and everything, and that's got to be such a downer. <laughs> yeah, that movie disappointed a lot of people. Yeah, a lot oh, of diehard yeah. fans. Oh yeah. Finally, Gary, uh, Gary Culver Jr. from Cinemaside, who you heard us interview on the podcast on one of our Popcon episodes. Um, again, Cinemaside is a film riffing team that they they do um commentary tracks that riff on movies. They're actually working on. Um, I think the next one they're coming out with is Jurassic Park. You can find more information about them at facebook.com slash cinemaside. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Uh, Gary writes, I saw the midnight release of Watchmen and was not impressed. I thought it was preachy, short on action, and just too long. As I've watched it again several times over the years, I've come to appreciate the artistic quality of the film and even enjoy the things I first hated. That movie grew on me a lot, too. I mm-hmm. it, the first time I saw it, I liked it, but I've I've liked it even more every time I've watched it. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm uh, the same way. It's it's. Uh, I I that was one of those movies that I uh, read the graphic novel first and then went into it mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, with the graphic novel in mind, and it's one of those experiences that it didn't mar it at all or anything, and it was just a really 
good theater experience for me. And I had issues with it about stuff they cut out and everything. And then the director's cut kind of rectified that. So, yeah. The director's um, cut is very good. Yeah. I need to, I need to go back and, uh, uh, rewatch it. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually came up in a Twitter conversation with a longtime listener, Yasmin. Um, I believe I can't remember what we were talking about now that I think about it, but, mm. uh, Watchmen came up. She asked about, I think, uh, another one of Zack Snyder's movies. Okay. Anyway. Um, so yeah, that, that does it for our main topic. Thanks guys for checking in on Facebook again, like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer, um, and interact with us there. And so, um, now that we're done with the main topic, do you want to transition to potpourri tiny? Well, let's do some potpourri. Alrighty. So for first time listeners, potpourri is the section of the podcast where we kind of, after talking about the main topic for however long, um, we kind of wind down the podcast with a potpourri section, which is anything us talking about anything we've watched, anything we're looking forward to anything we want, as long as it smells good and is related to movies and TV. Um, so tiny, I have two things. You have one thing. Correct. Amundo. Alrighty. So I'm going to go ahead and get us kicked off with, uh, one it's, uh, and I can't remember if I mentioned this in the bonus episode that came out this week, but, uh, I saw star Trek beyond. The latest installment in the J.J. Abrams reboots franchise of Star Trek. Um, nice. I have not seen began it. Began in 2009. Nice. So it's it's really it's really good. I I really I really liked it. Um, I had some issues with it that I'll get into a little bit without spoiling. But essentially, this movie is about the the crew of the Enterprise three years into their five year mission. Um, and it's about Kirk dealing with, um, his birthday coming up and being confronted with this existential reality or realization that he's lived longer than his father did. And it's kind of, he's living under his father's shadow and he's not sure what he wants to do, or he's not sure that he's making a difference. He's kind of at a crossroads in his life. And right from the outside, I just want to say that, element to this movie worked really well on me um i don't know if it has anything to do with me turning 30 in june last june but i don't know but um (laughs) no but it it, it really worked really well because it paid nice homage to the original series in that it uh depicts them on their on their five-year mission going doing these little some it plays up the mundane nature of this crew that spends all their time on the ship traversing, um, the, the final frontier of space and, and doing all this thing, uh, all this, all this, uh, Federation stuff and not doing much in terms of action or anything. And it's, it's, it's really effective in doing that. There's a really great kind of montage at the beginning, in the beginning where Kirk is doing his, uh, is doing his, uh, uh, um, mission log thing and it's just a montage of everyone doing their thing and it's like you can tell how we- uh, how weird uh, how everyone's pretty uh, much worn thin um, by the mundane mundanity of their lives having said that that's the prologue of the movie essentially the actual plot is they go to a, they go to a planet um, or they stuff happens there's a villain um, <laughs> and uh, and the one of the main things about the movie is that the crew gets separated. So a lot of these, a lot of these characters are um, on their own or are te- paired up 
in interacting. And that is the part of the movie that I really connected with because I love the crap out of these characters specifically because I've, I've rewatched or I've, uh, I've gone through and watched the entire original series and I adore that show so much. So I love the characters and I love this iteration of the characters, this, this version of the characters. I think that everyone does it really well. So that stuff all worked for me. The shortcomings of the movie, however, are that the villain, the villain is played by Idris Elba, Roland Deschain. Um, no, and he is, he's, he's, not really given that much to work with exactly. There were moments in the movie where I was like, okay, I get what he's doing. I see what he's doing. Why is he doing this? What is, what is going on? And they kind of play it up as a mystery. And then when, when it reaches, it reaches a point where we find out more information about the villain. But I feel like if they would have done that much earlier in the movie and contrasted that with, um, with, with another, uh, uh, story arc, to kind of give it more meaning, I think it would have been a lot better. It would have been a, a, a much better movie, but unfortunately it's kind of just used as a, um, a kind of thing that they throw in at the end. And I don't know. Uh, I hope that that's not too spoilery. Um, no, you're good. Okay, good. Um, you said stuff happens. I mean, stuff happens. Yeah. <laughs> and the, uh, the, there's a sequence that is, uh, that is so, over the top and ridiculous that I it's weird. Cause like my, my, um, my, my gut reaction is to just think like, this is the dumbest thing. <laughs> Why are they do what the hell? Um, but I have to admit, I was, I was really enjoying it when it was happening. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. And I thought Justin Lin did a really good job directing it or he did a fine job directing it. um, yeah, so that was Star Trek Beyond. I thought it was. I thought it was. I liked it quite a bit. I, I thought it was pretty good. Okay. Yep. Um, I don't know where I would rank it with the first two, but okay, you know. Anyway, uh, Tiny, what do you have for us? You haven't been on the podcast for you know, uh, like you were on vacation. You, I was. You have a lot. Like I mean, you must have just watched a lot of really interesting <laughs> and exciting things. Well, I mean, I, you know, the whole last week I was on the beach every day. I wasn't really mm-hmm. watching stuff. Um, and so I didn't, don't have a lot to draw from. Um, but I did watch a documentary series. It's just three episodes. Uh, it's called The Future of Water. It's on Netflix. Matt finds the title hilarious I for d- some reason. I do. Um, <laughs> just the idea that it's a documentary series yeah. about the future of water. Yeah. It's it is uh it's something. So uh <laughs> so tiny, tell me about the future of water. It sounds like a very bland and like blase like why is someone doing a documentary on this? Right. I get that just mm-hmm. based on the title. But, you know, water is hugely influential in the development of human society. It's, you know, it's right. it makes and breaks societies. It does. Mm-hmm. It does. I, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying it to dispute it. Or I'm not. I'm not making that reaction uh, because it. Because I think like, oh, you're making a big statement or whatever. I'm just thinking it like, like my reaction is, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. <laughs> What? I don't get it. It just be, it's water. I mean, 
it's kind of a uh i would say the most ubiquitous substance in in humans <laughs> like we yeah. need uh, yeah i i'm dogging on this documentary <laughs> series and i emphasize documentary series because it seems to be taking a a, a simplistic subject or, or it, a broad subject so i don't know like tell me what i know i've cut you off but um <laughs> tell me just what like how did they how did they approach this subject and what did they cover in it primarily what it addresses is how how environmental changes and uh different factors are going to affect the way that we use consume and are affected by water throughout the world. And like, you know, it, it mentions global warming and it mentions population control and how there are so many areas of the, of the world where there are people who travel two hours to get their water and bring it back every day. It's just like, it's, it's crazy. And those places, their population is exploding right now and it's still going to get worse. And, uh, they, they go to, the, they went to so many different places around the world. They went to the Netherlands, which is like 60 feet below sea level. Mm -hmm. Uh, and there is a daily, hourly, minute by minute struggle to keep the water at bay in that country. And they've done it for centuries and it's a very impressive country. But again, their population is growing. It's harder and harder to control that. And as cities grow, it's harder to control that water. And it's, it's going to have a substantial effect on the way that the Netherlands, uh, operates over the next century or so. Um, they talked about, China again, population explosion. It's there's so many people that need water there. Um, glaciers melting, runoff. I mean, they just they went to so many places around the world. It was really incredible. Uh, Iceland and um, even the United States. They talked. They went to a desal. It was kind of poignant because they went to a desalination plant in Tampa, Florida, which is mm -hmm. where I was on vacation. Oh, nice. As I was watching it, it was kind of funny. <laughs> um, but it's it, th what's interesting. What was kind of interesting about it is that it was it's a norwegian documentary so it was on norwegian television mm -hmm. um uh and, and it was kind of unfortunate because it was all recorded the main host guy was a norwegian doctor or you know like a scientist um and he was speaking norwegian throughout obviously so it was dubbed in english um but it was really funny and kind of frustrating because you know they went to china and mexico and you know the netherlands and reykjavik so they talk to people who speak Chinese and Spanish and all those different languages, mm -hmm. but they didn't dub those people and they really? didn't have subtitles. <laughs> so Wait, what? <laughs> there were these people talking, making a point, and I'm like, no idea. Sorry, I don't speak Spanish. I don't speak Mandarin. Wow. Or Dutch or Icelandic. I don't know what their language is. Hmm. But I was just like, um, so you only dubbed the host? That's it? <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was really weird. I was still able to follow it very well, but I right. was just like, who, who screwed the pooch on this? How did this happen? Right. It was really, it was kind of mind boggling. Um, huh. yeah, it was, it was weird. I mean, it was, it was a good documentary because I think it's a very, I, I think how so many different places and around the world are going to be hugely affected by how their access to water and how mm -hmm. water affects their life. And so I think it's a very interesting subject. Um, and they did a fairly good job, but again, they didn't dub the people 
who were making very uh, very important points throughout the documentary, and so I don't really know what they were saying. That's really. Did you try seeing if there was a sub, if there was a subtitle option? I did not. Interesting. But but again, the host was dubbed in English, mm-hmm. um, and he, it was a British guy who like read his lines or whatever, and it sounded great, and it was it was good and everything, and I was like, you know, I was able to follow the documentary, but it was just kind of a bummer that they didn't. They didn't do that. It was unfortunate. Um, so it, it it was interesting. I mean, you can skip it. <laughs> it's not a bit, it's not a big deal. It's not one of the better documentary series I've ever seen or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it, it was interesting. I'm 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 fascinated by the subject. Kind of interesting. So yeah. the underlying theme of all of this is that you were on vacation yeah. and you watched this documentary series. Sure did. That's, it's only three episodes. That's that's fine. That's <laughs> half hour, hour long. Uh, hour. <laughs> cool. <laughs> that's that's really cool. Don't <laughs> judge me. I'm not. I'm not judging. <laughs> um. Yeah. You saw I Still Know What You Did Last Summer in the theater. I did. I did. I did. <laughs> and I didn't mention this, but I was one of the ones clapping. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, dear Lord. Anyway, um, that's The Future of Water. It is available on Netflix. and It is. I really hope that the subtitle is Prepare to Get Wet. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's our tagline, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, um, that's that's ridiculous. So, anyway... Um, I'm going to kind of round us out for potpourri with uh, my next potpourri. Um, it's uh, Bad Moms. Are you familiar with this movie, Tiny? I sure am. All right. So uh, for those who aren't, um, this is the movie that's currently on theaters. It has um, Mila Kunis and uh, Christina Applegate and Kristen Bell, um, Catherine Hahn, and some other actors and actresses in it. <laughs> um, which is usually how movies work. Yeah. Um, so anyway, this is a movie about Mila Kunis, who is a, uh, uh, is a mother to two children, and she's kind of going up against Christina Applegate, who is this, um, uh, the, the domineering PTA, um, president who controls everything. And this is a movie that I thought was okay. It, it had its moments. It, the kind of, one of the big selling points of it or the titular thing about it, it's called Bad Moms and it's about a group of moms or a trio of moms really, Mila Kunis, Catherine Hahn and Kristen Bell who kind of become upset or, or tired of the, of the mom thing and decide to be quote unquote bad moms. And that's what the marketing is pointing toward and everything. And that's how it's, you know, marketed as, unfortunately that's maybe, maybe a, a quarter of the movie. Really? Yeah. It's, it's mostly, um, them doing their bad mom thing. I mean, that might be, it might be more of a third of the movie, but it's also, it's part that it's part, um, Mila Kunis, um and her husband or her ex-husband or husband whatever um being separated and and trying to get back together and then it's also um her suddenly going up against Christina Applegate to be the president of the PTA and it's the best i can say is some of the gags were quite funny there was one joke in particular that i looked like a freaking idiot because 
I was the only one to laugh out loud at it. <laughs> and I felt so awkward because um, it was a gag in which Mila Kunis's husband, who she separated from, um, mentions in uh, like they're arguing in a in a setting and she said he says like well uh you never give me blowies and she's like well if you did this and this and this maybe you would get blowies or whatever i would i would uh i would destroy destroy your penis with my blowies or whatever and so there's a throwaway line where he just says like you couldn't destroy my penis it's indestructible (laughs) and i i laughed so freaking hard at that and it was dead silent in the theater. Oh my god! So that was kind of awkward. But anyway, um, kind of my main point is that there there were some really funny parts here and there peppered throughout this movie. But I kept thinking when going back, I kept thinking that uh, when thinking back to like parts of the movie earlier, like halfway through the movie, I started thinking like, okay, that thing that happened earlier in the movie that didn't need to even happen at all. Like there's nothing, there's no reason for that to be in the movie. And then there's a whole, like there's, there's a plot line involving her and her job and her boss is, um, Clark Duke. And there's a scene involving them where I'm like, they literally could have put that at any point in the entire movie and it would have fit as well as it did. Wow. It was, it was such a weird reaction to it. So, so I guess the writing, editing, whatever, it wasn't really on point that much. But I guess, I mean, I would recommend it um, for the charisma of uh, Mila Kunis and Kristen Bell. Although Kristen Bell, her character, I kind of feel got kind of a short shrift because she, well, all three of those characters, Mila Kunis, Kristen Bell, and Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn plays kind of like the the token crazy lady thing who's very, um, you never know what she's going to say. And some of her jokes and some of her gags did not land at all. And then Kristen Bell is kind of this, um, housewife who has this disturbingly domineering, like emotionally abusive husband who it's played kind of for comedy, but also for empowering her throughout the movie. But it doesn't, it, not enough time is spent developing that or or calling back to it even so it kind of comes across as kind of awkward and and uncomfortable um so so for all the issues that i had with bad moms it did have it wasn't a bad time at the movie theater i did have some fun watching it it was enjoyable um but i would say probably skip the theater and see it when it hits vod or netflix or something Gotcha. Yeah, and I also wanted to kind of pitch this topic to you at some point when I saw when I, I think around the time I first saw the trailer for Bad Moms, I thought like it would be kind of fun if we did an episode that was just bad movies where we just talked about Bad Moms, Bad Teacher, Bad uh, Bad Bad Santa, like the <laughs> movies that have bad in the title. Oh, but God. I don't know. Maybe would you say that that's a bad idea? Yep. Okay. Good. Anyway. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's my potpourri, and uh, yeah, that that kind of rounds us out for this episode. Next week, Tiny, are we still are we going to do extended potpourri? I believe so. I think we're going to do extended potpourri. Um, I know, just off the top of my head, I'm also I'm going to bring up the Secret Life of Pets and Jason Bourne and some other things, probably. Wow, Mister Robot season one. Hey, yeah. So uh, look forward to that. And then at some point, are we? Are we? Are we gonna? Are, should we commit to a Stranger Things bonus? I think we should. I'm almost done with it. Nice. I have. I've watched one episode, but I. 
yeah stranger things i oh yep we're gonna do a bonus episode at some point um so yeah that about does it for this week's episode and um yeah thank you to fecus for filling in for a bonus episode recently and also i hope you guys checked out my solo episode about indie indie film fest tiny did you listen to that i have not listened to it yet oh okay that's cool on a plane had a lot of time (laughs) no that's fine um anyway so i hope you guys enjoyed that and uh also check out anthology my side project podcast at anthologypod.com once again i just i just released my episode reviewing the monsters are due on maple street even if you don't care about listening to the podcast or anything i still implore everyone to go watch that episode on netflix tiny have you watched it yet i have not that's cool (laughs) <laughs> you watched a documentary about water <laughs> a documentary series about water it's about the future of water well this is about the future of humanity <laughs> um and the past and the present no in um, some ways so is water yeah anyway <laughs> the monsters new on maple street episode 22 of the twilight zone's first season one of the best episodes of television i've ever seen check it out and also if you are keen to it check out my review of it on anthologypod.com and having said all that, Tiny, are we ready to end it? I believe so. All right. Well, um, in that case, uh, to uh, to Matt and 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 Draco, is it yeah. in Draco? Yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? All yep. right. Uh, I was wrong. Star Wars is the best thing ever. Chuck Lorre shows are the pinnacle of American intellect. And go sports. <laughs> oh that was such a great idea yeah he he said that he wanted to uh he thought about um he, he tweeted me and said that he thought about uh what was it uh he he thought about making me proclaim my love for Zack snyder but he said he wasn't he was not he couldn't be that mean and i told <laughs> him i would have given back the money <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, once again, you can you can uh, support us on patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and make us say whatever you want us to for five dollars. Awesome. And uh, yeah, that about does it. Uh, should we end it? Yep. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Thank you guys for listening to episode 180 of the Obsessive Viewer podcast. Um, I'm just cutting in here to let you guys know that we just started a Facebook group for the podcast. Um, it's kind of the, uh, the same idea of doing the subreddit, only this is a more accessible kind of thing for people to get in on and, and have discussions with us and talk to us and everything. So if you just search, search for Obsessive Viewer Podcast, the, uh, group on Facebook, you'll be able to find it. My cat's yelling at me, but, um, so yeah, so yeah, you can do that and, uh, please join and it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have episode discussions, um, for the podcast and we'll have, you know, discussions of movies and stuff like that. It'll be kind of, kind of fun to, to do. Um, and also earlier in this episode, when I mentioned Tony Troxel's, uh, response in the Facebook things, I didn't mention his website which is at geekingindiana.com, and he is also on Twitter at Indiana Geeking. So go ahead and follow him and check out his site for a ton of different events geek-related in Indiana. So without further ado, well, no, this is the end of the podcast. So anyway, <laughs> uh, 
it's 1 a.m. I'm tired. So anyway, uh, thank you for listening, and I'll have the next episode up next week, obviously. That's just a mess. Anyway, thanks, <laughs> thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at ObsessiveViewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at ObsessiveViewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at ObsessiveViewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I Am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, ObsessiveBookNerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other. Tickets are on sale now for the third annual Shocktober in Irvington presented by the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Join the hosts of The Obsessive Viewer on October 14th, 2016 at the Irving Theater for a one-night event screening of short horror films, including the premiere screenings of J.P. Lex The Roman, the latest entry in his cross-medium Elsewhere World universe, as well as the latest slasher from Snapshot Productions and Billy and Brandon Watch Movies. All of this and so much more. Come celebrate the horror genre in the historic Irvington area and get a chance to meet the filmmakers with live interviews after each screening. You can also win DVDs, Blu-rays, and gift cards to Irvington businesses. Tickets are on sale now at shocktoberinirvington.com and as a special bonus for podcast listeners, enter the promo code PODCAST1 to get a $1 discount off the price of admission. All proceeds will go directly to the Irvington Historical Society. And we will see you at the Irving Theater on October 14th. That is, if you dare.